Joseph. Fear not, for that which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Mary. And you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. I know. Mary, God showed me. An angel came to me in my dream. Believe me. I believe you. Your child will be the father. I will declare him as my own. People, they will not look at you the same. They will not look at us the same. You are my wife. I am your husband. That is all anyone need know. After this, there shall arrive. All right, well, welcome everybody to a new series that we're starting here today that I'm really excited about and I hope you're excited about. I see lots of new faces that are joining us here for the first time today. We're kicking off a four week series during this Christmas time and it's called All Ye Faithful. And what we're going to do, as you saw in the little intro video right there, is every week we're going to look at the same story, the same Christmas story but from four different perspectives. We're going to go through four different characters in the, in the story and see how the first Christmas played out from their vantage point and their perspective. And what we're going to see is about how sometimes God's plans don't always match with what it is that we want, and we'll see how that dynamic plays out. But before we get into that stuff, it's Christmas. Best way to start off any series around Christmas time is Christmas jokes. Y'all ready for some Christmas jokes? I got five good ones here. This is the five best jokes I could find online here. You tell me what y'all think of these jokes here. All right. Uh, Santa. Why didn't Santa, when he saw some hard economic times, why didn't Santa sell Blitzen and Rudolph on eBay? Because they were too dear. Get it? Too dear. Why was Santa's little helper depressed? Because he had low elf esteem. <laughs> Sticking on the elf thing, how come Santa, you never see him in a hospital? Because Santa has private health care. <laughs> That's a good one these days especially. I sent this one out on Twitter. This is a good one. Why couldn't the nativity have happened here in Washington, D.C.? The story could never have happened here in Washington, D.C. Why? Because in the story, they only needed three wise guys. And last but not least, on my bad Christmas jokes of today, number one Christmas joke here. An honest politician, a kind lawyer, and Santa Claus. An honest politician, a kind lawyer, and Santa Claus were all talking together, and they noticed a $50 bill on the floor. Who picked it up? 
Santa Claus, how do we know? Because the other two don't exist. Very good. <laughs> Woo, that's good stuff. That's not nearly as exciting for you as it is for me. But hey, come on. We all like bad jokes. We all like bad jokes. We're going to need some bad jokes throughout this series. We need to start off on a light note because where we're going in this series isn't always going to be fun. We're going to talk about some tough stuff in this series. And I want to start off by asking you a very simple question. This one is not a joke. Is there anybody who stands here or sits here today at the end of 2013 and can tell me that this past year of their life, everything went according to their plan? That everything was exactly the way they wanted it to be? Most of us, if we're honest, we look back in our lives, especially at the end of the year. You know, the end of the year is supposed to be like the hap, hap, happiest time in the world, but it's usually the most depressing time. As a time where people, the suicide rate is the highest and depression is the highest. Because this is the time of year where we look back. And usually when we look back, the emotion that we feel as we look back and evaluate our life, unfortunately, is a sense of disappointment. Is a sense of why God did it have to happen this way. There's a famous guy. His name was Murphy. And a guy named Murphy became famous because he said one thing. He said, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And I want to change Mr. Murphy and his law and say it this way. They say no matter what you plan in life, no matter how great your plan is, no matter how benevolent it may seem, no matter how good, how, how honest, no matter how great your plan is, I guarantee you your plan will get messed up in life. It's not just me, is it? It's not just me that anytime you come up with seemingly a good plan to do something good for God's sake, not for my sake, but a good plan in God's eyes. I come up with a plan, all these great things that I want to do and all the stuff that I want to do for God and I want to live this life for God. And it seems like one thing after the other goes in the opposite direction. For example, I say, I want to be more patient. I want to learn to be more patient. As soon as you say you want to be more patient, what happens to all the people around you? They become more annoying. You say, I want to live pure. Second you say you want to live pure, I guarantee you. The number of temptations in your life that try to knock you down from purity, you better say, it's better for me not to have planned nothing. Your relationships, your career, your future, your favorite football team and their playoff hopes, like whatever it may be. Whatever your plans might be, a second that you make those plans, you got to be expecting and prepared for that those plans are going to get messed up. Our theme verse for this series is going to be Proverbs 19.21, which says, say this with me. Let's be a little interactive. It's Christmas period here. Say, read this verse with me. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevailed. Many are the plans in a man's heart. Many things I've aspired to do. Many plans that I've made of places I want to get to, things I want to accomplish. But so often, experience of life tells us that those plans get messed up more frequently than they get fulfilled, right? Well, if you feel like that, that your plans often get messed up, good news for you on two fronts. Number one, you are not alone. Every single person in this room knows exactly how you're feeling. And number two, this is what we're going to see throughout this series, is that the mess up that happened in your plan is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. You may not realize it today or tomorrow, what we're going to see is the mess up when God's quote, I'm going to use the term mess up in quotes without doing the air quotes the whole time. 
God's mess up might just be the very best thing that ever happened to you for the rest of your life. We're going to go back to the original Christmas. You look at the original Christmas, and it's a happy story. Everyone's always smiling in the pictures. There's always lights and stars, and it's a happy kind of a story. God is coming to mankind to save mankind, to heal mankind, to lift mankind up. It's a great story. But make no mistake about it. They're the original Christmas story. A lot of people's plans got messed up. The Jews, the people of God, were planning that the Messiah would come as a big war hero, riding on a strong, on a horse with weapons to take down the bad guys. And their plan got messed up because the Messiah came in a little baby who couldn't hurt a fly. You had Herod the king, who had planned to be the only king in town. That plan got messed up when he found out there was another king in town. And this king is a much greater king than him. Let's take a look at the shepherds. The shepherds out in the fields planning to go to bed early this night. Instead, they ended up visiting labor and delivery ward and spending the night there with an, a little baby crying and, and, and uh, the, the new family. Christmas messed up a lot of plans for a lot of people. But what we celebrate every year on Christmas is exactly that, that God can mess up our earthly plans compared to God's infinite plans. When God messes up these earthly plans, he replaces them in an infinitely greater way with his eternal plans, and that's what we celebrate. We celebrate that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now, before I get into the rest of the story, got to say it up front. We have to understand that every time your plan gets messed up, it's not always God's fault. Okay, so I'm speaking, I'm not speaking about when it's your fault, all right? When my plan was to become a doctor and I ended up not showing up at any of my classes. You don't blame that on God, say God's plan is better. God's plan is not for you to do, be lazy or to be um, negligent or anything like that. So I'll take aside all that, especially a lot of things that we blame on God are not God's fault, maybe the fault of people. We have free will. We are able to choose whatever it is that we want. That's not what I'm talking about. God is not the author of evil. God is the author of good. So there's many times that the messed up in the plans is not God's fault. It's my fault. And I have to look in the mirror and take accountability for that and not blame God for that. But what I'm talking about is the times when it is God's, and again, fault. When I'm saying God is the one behind it and God is the one who himself is changing up the plans. We're going to look in this series from the perspective of Joseph, as we're going to see today. We'll look at the perspective of Virgin Mary, mother of, of our Lord. We'll look at the perspective of Herod, the king, who we don't hear too much about. And we're going to look at the perspective from the eyes of little baby Jesus. Each week we'll take a different one of those and see how God's messed up plan is infinitely better than our well thought out plan. Let's jump into Joseph. We don't know too much about Joseph. He's always there in the nativity scene, but he's not really in the front. He's usually in the back. You got baby, you got virgin, even the shepherds and the wise men, they have more prominence in the story than Joseph. We don't know too much about him, but there's certain things that we do know. So three quick facts about who is this man, this background of Joseph. Number one thing you need to know about Joseph is Joseph was an old man. And why I say that's important? Because a lot of times he'll be portrayed in an inaccurate way. Like even in the video that we saw, he's portrayed oftentimes as a younger person and, and like him and Mary, and it's like a romantic kind of a thing. That's nice for Hollywood, but it's not accurate. Joseph was an elderly man. And Joseph was someone who was at least, scholars say he was between 70 and 80 years old. 
and he most likely was married before, and he was a widower. So what used to happen is when a man was older, all right, and his wife had passed away, he needed someone to take care of him. So what they would do is they would go to the temple, and the temple would give one of the girls from the temple, Virgin Mary at the time, was consecrated to serving in the temple. She wasn't living at home with her parents. She was serving in the temple. We'll talk about her in a couple weeks. She was serving in the temple, so this old man would come, and he would say, I need a woman to care for me. So the temple would provide, okay, you know, a, a young lady. Guys, wouldn't it be nice if the church did that today as well? And some of you are thinking, like, let's, let's, let's sign that. Let's do that in the, in the church here today. You come, we provide. Like, that was the way it was back then, okay? So those who want to be an apostolic church, like, whatever. Like, we, we can look into it if you'd like. The other thing we know most likely about Joseph is he was rich. He most likely had accumulated a lot of possessions and a lot of wealth over the course of his life. So that's the first thing we need to know. He was an old man. And why? Because that'll play into the story. He wasn't coming to get married because he wanted romance. Or he wanted a new life together. Or he didn't want to have babies. He was coming because he needed someone to take care of him. But as we're going to see in a little bit, that he was coming so that someone take care of him. But he actually was the one who took care of them. But we'll see that in a little bit. Number two thing about Joseph is he was not just an old man. He was a just man. And the reason I use the word just that's the word the scripture uses. Only word it uses to describe Joseph is he was a just man. Just meaning righteous, meaning devout, meaning he was a good guy. Leave this one. We'll talk about that later, why, how we see that he was a just man. And number three, he was a quiet man. How many words did Joseph say in all the Bible? Zero. Zip. If you were casting a movie about the story of the nativity, Joseph wouldn't be a main actor. He might not even be a supporting actor. He'd be one of the extras in the back. It'd be like sheep number one, sheep number two, Joseph, tree. That's the way it would be because Joseph didn't say a word. He didn't say one word in all the Bible. Nothing's recorded. But he was a man of action. And Joseph, to me, we always talk about how God chose Virgin Mary to be the mother of his son. 100% true. God also chose Joseph to be the father of his son. And the husband of his son's mother God looked down from heaven and said to me in my eyes Joseph is the perfect picture you dads out there Joseph is the picture of what a true dad is because that's who Jesus said I want that to be my dad he could have chosen anyone jo Jesus said that's the guy I want because Joseph didn't talk much didn't call much attention to himself he was a just man he was an honest man he wanted to live a quiet life he took care of all his responsibilities he sacrificed everything that he had at an old age, for the sake of his family, and he rides off into the sunset, and no one knows anything about him. Dads, that's who we're supposed to be. Back to Joseph. At this point in time, Joseph, old man, rich man, just man, quiet man. You're Joseph. You're, seven, let's say, 75. Let's just take that as kind of the average, between 70 80 years old. You want a girl to take care of you someone to, to make a meal for you, kind of be a companion for you. You, at this point in time in your life, you're ready to retire. You're ready for the easy life. You're ready to just kind of sit back on a couch. You're not looking for any excitement or anything dramatic. You just want an easy, quiet, peaceful life. Like you lived, you paid your dues. All you need now is quiet. That's what makes the story so fascinating when you see how his life got flipped upside down. Pick up the story in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So she was betrothed, meaning like engaged. Joseph came to the temple, said, I need a young lady. They said, okay, Mary's yours. Now's betrothal. All right. And of course, she had to be a virgin. All right. Because they, she had to be a virgin. And she was betrothed to Joseph. Now, all of a sudden, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. And the child is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph's response. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Again, it says it here. It's where it says he's just. And not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. What could Joseph have done with this lady? What should Joseph have done with this lady is what I should say. What did the law say could be done if we were betrothed and all of a sudden you're found to be pregnant, which clearly implies you're doing some stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Now, we know Holy Spirit, but I'm saying you can put yourself in Joseph's shoes. I'm betrothed to this lady. All of a sudden she comes to me and she's pregnant. What did the law say Joseph could do with her? Stone her. Boom. On the spot. And Joseph would not be breaking the law. He would be abiding by the law. The law said stone her. At least he would shame her and disgrace her and call her out and say, get this girl out the temple. She's living a funny life. Like she's not doing what she said that she's doing. She's already got, and it wasn't me. But Joseph didn't. He said, let me just put her away secretly. Why? Why? Because he was just... And he wanted, like, he already started caring. He was a caring person. That was just his nature. But I also think something else played into it. Keyword, put her away secretly. Why he wanted to put her away secretly? Why not make a big song and dance about it? What did Joseph want? Peace. I just want quiet. I don't want drama. I want noise. I'm a 75-year-old man. Like, just leave me alone. Okay, this one's no good. Okay, like... Whatever, like it's between you and the Holy Spirit, like whatever, okay? Holy Spirit made you pregnant, okay? Like that, that's fine. Just give me another girl. That's easy. I just need quiet. I'm an old man. I don't have time for all the song and dance. Joseph, in his mind, said, I had a plan. Speed bump happened in the plan. I wanted a virgin girl. This girl's n apparently not a virgin, so he thinks at the time, okay, just put her away over there. Get another girl here, and we go on with my plan. Isn't it just that way that the second you come up with the perfect plan, isn't it just that way, the second you come up with the perfect plan, you see the speed bump. You're like, it's just a speed bump, but you know it's not a speed bump. And you know that God is getting ready to reroute. Again, the second you got the perfect girl, the perfect guy, everything is perfect. And all of a sudden, they're not into me anymore. You got the perfect job. Things are going perfectly at work. Everything is perfect. Nothing changed. Transfer to a new division or new boss come in. And this one's crazier than the last one. Your relationships. Finally, it's all worked out exactly the way I wanted. And then all of a sudden, isn't it that way? It the plans only change when things are good. The plans are when things are bad, everything never changes. Then all of a sudden, when things are perfect, perfect. Got it all set. I'm an old man. Like, mess me up when I'm 21, 22, I can handle I'm 75 now. I got no hair left. I got no energy left. Just need a nice girl. Ride off into the sunset together. God messes things up. Verse 20. 
While he thought about these things, while he thought about how to put her away secretly, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. How do you respond to this? Don't be overly spiritual. Don't be overly spiritual. It's very easy to say, yes, you're Joseph. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for this gift. Easy to say that. How would you respond if you're Joseph? You have a plan, and the plan is to coast. God has a plan. Now all of a sudden, the plan is not coasting. Now all of a sudden is the woman who in your mind cheated on you, who in your mind is probably a liar, all of a sudden says, no, take her to be your wife. And you're going to have a baby. And you're going to care for that baby. So Joseph, let's look at this on different levels. On the level of number one, you want an easy life? You want a retirement plan? You need to get a diaper plan out. Because you ain't going to retirement. You're going to diapers. You're going to bottles. You're going to feed. You're going to burping. You have to learn how to throw a baseball. You have to learn your times tables again. You're going through all that again. You're going to start from a very, very young age, and you're going to raise a child. Your easy life, no more easy life. Number two, reputation, social. You're a just man. Everyone respects you. You're Joseph. Now, all of a sudden, people know she's pregnant, and she, they know you weren't married yet. Everyone's going to say a lot of bad stuff about you. Why at this point in time in your life? You ruin, you risk ruining your reputation. Like, why? Why would you do that now? And at the third level, who is this virgin who he's marrying? His first experience with her is she comes and says, I'm pregnant, but it's the Holy Spirit's fault. So next week, I'm going to look at the credit card bill, and it's going to be the Holy Spirit's fault as well. Like the rest of my life, Holy Spirit spent this much money. Holy Spirit did this. Holy Spirit did this. In my mind, this has gone from a perfect plan to a disastrous plan. I'll tell you what else. I'll tell you another reason why if I was Joseph, why if we're honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're Joseph, why we probably wouldn't listen. How did this message come to him? In a dream. Oh, it is so easy to write that one off. <laughs> it was a dream. It's a dream. We have dreams all the time. Last night I had a dream about uh, something about cotton candy. Like, it's a dream. All right? That doesn't mean I wake up in the morning and go get me cotton candy. You too had a cotton candy dream. Okay? It doesn't mean I wake up in the morning and eat cotton candy. It's just a dream. We have dreams all the time. I dream uh, I'm a basketball player. I dream I'm in the circus. Like, whatever. It doesn't mean I drop everything and, and join vaudeville or something like that. It's just a dream. Joseph, logic says it's just a dream. Ignore it. You know how we can, you know, it's called selective listening. You know how selective listening works? Okay? Wives, this may be an issue with your husband, okay? If he's not hearing, he thinks he's hearing, it's called selective listening. He's only listening to what he wants to listen to. And it goes both ways on the marriage situation. But it really happens here. God didn't say anything. Excuse me? He didn't say anything? No, he said something. I didn't hear anything. We often choose to ignore that which is difficult, that which is hard, that which we don't want to do. Bottom line, Joseph had every reason to say no, thank you. Move on. Another wife. Joseph had every reason to say, I lived a good life, adjust. Like, I did everything I needed to do in life. I just need now to retire in peace and quiet. But he didn't. And Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took him to his wife, 
and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Joseph didn't say anything. Joseph didn't discuss anything. Joseph didn't, didn't consult anybody. Joseph arose and did what he was commanded. I want to pause the story of Joseph right here because I can even see it on some of y'all's faces. This is one of the most confusing verses in the Bible, okay? Because there's a word in here which is kind of confusing. What's that word that's confusing? That word till, okay? One of the things that we know from our Orthodox faith is that Virgin Mary, the reason that I always refer to her as Virgin Mary, she's referred to as Virgin Mary, is because we know that she was ever virgin. You maybe hear that term, the ever virginity of Virgin Mary. Ever virgin means she did not know her husband before or after, or she did not know anybody anytime. She was ever virgin. And this has been the teaching of our church from day one. Everybody knew it. Everybody accepted it. Everybody, ne this has never, ever been questioned for years and years and years of Christianity. But this verse makes it sound like she, he did not know her before, but it made it sound like after Jesus was born that they did know each other. That's what makes the verse sound like, right? That's often why, like I said, times you'll see Joseph depicted not as a 75-year-old man. And Virgin Mary, you know how old Virgin Mary was when they got married? 16 years old. And that's actually an older estimate. Some people date her back to 13, 14. Times were different back then, okay? Times were different. So she was, so I mean, they had like a 60-year gap. So I'm just saying, like, this was never anything that was ever brought up. But doesn't the verse kind of say that she did? Let me explain this simply and quickly, and we'll get back to our story in Joseph. Does the Bible ever say explicitly that Mary was an ever virgin? That's what some people say. If we say that she's ever virgin, where does it say it in the scripture? Does it say it explicitly? No, it doesn't. Some people would say, so therefore, she wasn't. Because it doesn't say it explicitly, therefore, it can't be true. That's flawed logic. Let me give you an example. The Bible was not given to us to be a comprehensive encyclopedia about every answer to everything in life. The Bible is the revelation of God to man and the story of that. And there's a lot of things which are included, but a lot of things which aren't included. Let me give you an example. I have a will. Okay, a will. So when I die, certain things happen. In the will, I say what? I say, you know, um, my kids go there. This is how you take care of my kids. You know, if, my, if I die and my wife dies, I want my kids taken care of. This is what I want you to do with the money. This is what I want you to do with the house. And I say, this is what you, what you do. This is my will. This is my plan. And then let's say I die and I move on and my wife dies and stuff like that. And then you look at my will and, you know, he didn't write. Let's say you're taking care of my kids. He didn't write that he wants his kids to go to church every Sunday. It's not written in there. Does that mean that it's not true? Like, look, Father Anthony didn't care if his kids go to church or not. No, that's not. You would say, no, that's not true. We knew him. We live with him. Church is very important. And then someone comes 30 years later and says, no, it wasn't important because he didn't write it down right here. What would you say? Say you don't know the guy. You don't just show up, read something 30 years later, you have no experience with the guy and say that. That's not how it works. We don't just go by what's written and what's not written. We have years and years and years and years and years of people. The apostles lived with the Lord, and they lived with his mother. The saints from the first and second centuries and the fathers of the church, all those guys who live there, they say, we say, someone comes in 2013 and says, Mary wasn't a virgin. What's your name? Who are you? 
You just showed up right here today when we have generations and generations and generations who said that she was a virgin. I'll bring you a quote here. I won't tell you who said it yet. This verse, or this quote, says, when Matthew 125, which is the verse we just read, says that Joseph did not know Mary carnally until she had brought forth her son, it does not follow that he knew her subsequently. It means it doesn't mean that afterwards it happened. On the contrary, it means that he never did know her. This babble is without justification. He, the one who accepts his false teaching, has neither noticed nor paid any attention to either scripture or the common idiom. Y'all know who said this? Don't be surprised. Martin Luther said this. I could have brought you 100 quotes from people in the 3rd century, 4th century, 5th century, 6th century. But I chose this quote for a reason. This quote shows me two things. Number one, when did Martin Luther live? What century? 1500. So that's the 16th century. So up until at least the 16th century, it was a very commonly held belief. So the first 16 centuries, and even further, but I'm saying at least the first 1600 years, they didn't even question this thing. Everybody knew it. It was common knowledge. And the second thing is why I brought him, because many of the people who claim Martin Luther as a father for their church say the exact opposite of, of this teaching of ever virginity. Many people today who, who respect and revere Martin Luther a lot have the exact opposite teaching. My point in bringing you this is, is that there's something that the church in the beginning, they knew it, they knew it, they knew it, they knew it, they knew it. I don't show up in 2013, read one verse, and think that I discovered a, a, un, un, unsolved mysteries. Okay, so then back to that verse. How do I explain that he did not know her till she had brought forth her son? How can we explain that? Like, I understand what it is, but now explain it to me. The key is this word till is a word in Greek, which is heos. Say that with me. Heos. Heos. Let me show you two more times the word heos appears in Scripture. It appears many times, but I'll just bring you two examples. Matthew 28, 28, 28, 20. And lo, I am with you always, even to, or even till, the end of the age. I am with you till the end of the age. Does that too imply that after the end of the age, he's no longer with us? Y'all see what I'm saying? Does that too imply that I'm with you to that point, but no more after? No. Same word. Deuteronomy 34, 6. And he buried him. God buried Moses in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day doesn't imply that after this day that things change. What I'm trying to say is we cannot take how we understand things in 2013 in America and ignore the way the language was written back 2,000 years ago in a Middle Eastern place in the middle of, of Israel and, 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 and the Mediterranean area. That's why in our church, my bright ideas in 2013 are never greater than the teaching that the church has given to us for 2,000 years. We never, I get a bright idea, and even scripture says that because it says no pro prophecy of scripture is a private interpretation. So the people who have been before me who taught us, and the people who lived with Jesus and lived with Jesus' mother, and lived with the, the disciples of Jesus, and lived with the disciples of the disciples of Jesus, and their disciples and their disciples, all these years taught us ever virgin. We're not going to come change it when we read one verse. Is that clear? Is everyone okay with that explanation? All right, that's an important thing. But let's get back to our story of Joseph. Okay, let's, let's kind of remind ourselves of where we are. Here's Joseph, old man, a little older than this, okay? Headed toward retirement, easy life, 
quiet, just man. Just need a wife to take care of me, make me a cup of tea, sit by me. Like, I need easygoing life. And I'm a just man. I'm going to provide for her. I'm not going to be, like, a mean to her, but I just need something easygoing in life. Angel comes, says, Joseph, trade in the retirement plan, pick up the diaper plan. And now all of a sudden, Joseph has to make this decision what to do. Joseph arises from his sleep and does as the Lord commands him to do. Joseph's response to God's mess up. God messed up Joseph's plan. How would you characterize Joseph and his response? I would say this is what Joseph did. The fact that in verse 21, he was given a change, and in verse 24, he did it. I would say Joseph's response to God's messing up his plan was immediate obedience. Not just obedience, but immediate obedience. And the person that I like in Joseph too, that it reminds me of in this situation, is another man, a famous father, who was also in charge of a very important son. And God said, you, you're going to be the special father just for this one son. And in fact, because you did such a good job, I'm going to tell all the people, like you're actually the father of much greater without even seeing. And that person is Abraham. Because like Abraham, Joseph and Abraham, parallel. Both of them were told, I need you to leave your land, go to a different land. That's what God, through the angel, told Joseph. He said, here you are, you're going to have a baby. You're going to, okay, but I need you to leave your family, leave your job, leave your social life, and go to a faraway place, which makes no sense, because if I'm going to have a baby, at least leave me around aunt and uncle and brother and sister so people can help me out with this little guy. God said, no, I need you to leave all that stuff. And like Abraham... God sent Joseph to a place far away and gave him one child, a very important child, to take care of that child. And if Joseph and Abraham did a good job, then the world would never be the same for the sake of their children. And both Abraham and Joseph did the same thing. They arose and went and did exactly what God told them to do. You know, Joseph and his immediate, um, immediate obedience wasn't just this one time. God told Joseph, you're going to marry that lady and be a father. Joseph arose, did as he was commanded. Then, after Joseph agreed, God told him, like I said, you live here. I need you to go all the way to Bethlehem. You're going to have a baby there. Joseph did what? He arose and did as he was commanded. He gets to Bethlehem. God tells him, you're actually going to have a baby, not in a hospital. You're going to have a baby in a stable. Yes, sir. They start to raise that baby in Bethlehem. Then God says, okay, now it's time to go back. Actually, we're not going to go back there. I'm going to send you another place. You're going to go to Egypt. Spend a couple years in the lovely desert of Egypt. Joseph arose and did as he was commanded. Every step of the way, Joseph didn't say a word. Joseph didn't give any, like, discussion with God or, are you sure, God, or let's pray about it. Joseph didn't give the spiritual, let's fast and pray about it, God. Joseph arose and did exactly as he was told to do. Joseph must have known something that we don't know. I actually think Joseph knew three things that we don't know about God's plan. Number one, Joseph knew... God's plan is always bigger than my plan. God's plan is always bigger than my plan. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Exceedingly abundantly. Meaning you have a plan. And it's a great plan. 
is the best plan. But you, on your smartest day, aren't even close to God, forgive my expression here, on his dumbest day. Forgive the expression. You know what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying. You, on your smartest day, you plus Einstein plus me plus all the people, all of our intellectual capacity together, all of us together on our smartest day, on our best day, are light years apart from God on his dumbest day. You, Joseph, say, I want to be faithful in serving God and taking care of my family. God says, that's a great plan. But the only problem is you have a very small scale. You have your family as the children from your former wives or your wives who had passed away. You took care of them. You sent them off to college. Like, they're good done. You took care of your wife before she passed away. You had a very good plan, Joseph. But I want to do that same plan on a much larger scale. You want to be, be father of your children? I'll make you fathered to Jesus, who is the father of us all. Joseph was smart enough and humble enough to know that God's plan is always bigger than our plan. Second thing about God's plan, not only is it bigger, but usually it's harder than our plan. Isn't it? God's plan is never easier. You never go to the saints who gave their lives for the Lord and say, hey, what was easier? Sit back, relax, enjoy the easy life, or follow God's plan? Hey, man, Jesus himself said that my, my path is narrow, is difficult. Scripture says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. You, therefore, must endure hardship. This is Joseph. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Rarely is God's plan easier than yours. Okay, God, I'll do this whole baby thing. But like I said, why need to go to Bethlehem? Why need to have a baby in a dumb little stable? Like, why can't it be? Why can't we build a hospital? You're God. It's your son. Doesn't your son deserve better than this God? That's why I can, I can spiritualize it. God, for your honor, your son should not be born in a stable. For your honor, have be born in a stable with the stinky animals. They don't have a little couch that folds out like the hospitals do. Like, we need, we need to make it better for your sake, God. After that, God told him, like I said, to go to Egypt. Travel across the desert with a wife, just gave birth, and a little baby. Days, weeks, travel to Egypt. We, every summer, pack up the kids in a minivan, go drive six hours to Myrtle Beach, and it's the worst six hours ever. And we have the video and the TV and the games, all that kind of stuff. And it's every minute, you're just like, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? Joseph took his newborn child and his wife, put him on a donkey, one donkey, which means that he walked and went all the way to Egypt. God's plan is always going to be harder. It's always going to be harder. But Joseph knew, he was smart enough to know, number one, it's always bigger. Number two, it's usually harder. Number three, is that is infinitely better. When I say better, define better as more rewarding. It is infinitely better and more rewarding. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 is a great verse for you to memorize and to recite and to remind yourself of when God's plan doesn't seem to be working out for you. You remind yourself that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, 
nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Y'all know that verse? It's a very important verse. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You remind yourself of that. That yes, God's plan is hard right now. And yes, it is difficult right now. But eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered. No one can even imagine the reward and the betterness of God's plan versus my plan. But the only way you're going to discover it is you stick out the plan. You see, Joseph, had he quit on God's plan, Joseph, had God come to him and says, Joseph, I got a plan. It's bigger. Joseph said, okay, I, I can accept that. And he said, I, and my plan is harder. Had Joseph not been able to accept the harder, he would have never known the infinitely better. Like if Joseph had said, you know what, God? No, thank you. I don't have anything to do with this. Then Joseph would have spent the rest of his life saying, you know what? I trusted God. I lived a good life. And God gave me a girl who wasn't even a virgin. God gave me a girl who came to me with some made-up story about how the Holy Spirit made her pregnant. Like, come on, man. Like, I'm not first time around the block here. He could have spent his whole life saying, God made my life miserable. God ruined my life. Oh, but Joseph, did God ruin it? Or did you ruin it by not trusting in God's plan? Who ruins your life? Does God ruin it? Or do we ruin it by not trusting in God's plan? thing about Joseph, I honestly believe about him, I feel like I could relate a lot to Joseph. I feel like Joseph was a logical person. I'm a very analytical, logical person. I'm a count-the-cost kind of a guy. I don't think Joseph made an emotional decision. I don't even think he made a spiritual decision. I think Joseph made a logical decision to obey God's plan. You know why? When the angel came to Joseph, I wish I had kept the verse up there. What was Joseph doing when the angel came and spoke to him? He wasn't sleeping. He was sort of sleeping, but what it says, it says that while he thought about these things, while he was thinking about these things, all right, it's in your handout right there in verse 20 or 21. Doesn't it say? I don't have it in front of me. Does it say he thought about it while he was thinking about it? The angel came to him. What does it say? Thought, okay? While he thought about it. I truly believe that God speaks to each one in their own way. Very rarely God speaks to me in an emotional way because God knows emotions in me, like, they're scarce, okay? Like, there's not, I'm not the most emotional. But those are emotional. God speaks through emotions. But God knows emotions wouldn't convince me. What convinced me? Logic. What convinced Joseph? Logic. God told Joseph, very simply, this is my plan. And somehow, because Joseph was a just man, he knew God well enough to know. He knew Abraham's story. He knew Isaac's story. He knew Jacob's story. He knew David's story. He knew all those stories. Because actually, you know, what we learn also about, from Scripture about, about Joseph is he was a descendant of Abraham. Like he was of that lineage of Abraham. So Abraham was his ancestor way, 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 way back. He was smart enough. He made an emotional, not an emotional decision, a logical decision, which says, my plan is this, God's plan is this. This is harder, but I know it's better. So God, I will choose your plan. I will live a tough life. I will not retire as I wanted to. I will bear my, my cross I will take care of this child. I will look after this lady, even though I'm not fully convinced that she's not lying to me. I will take, do all those things, and I'm choosing to obey your plan. That's what I'm trying to tell you, is don't think that obeying God and trusting God is this like, now I have trust in God. It's not like that. Now I trust God. Let's not trust God. Trust God is roll up the sleeves, get up out of bed, take the baby, and go to Egypt. 
Trust God is get up and, 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 and do what God is asking us to do, even if we're not feeling it, even if we're feeling like it's hard. True obedience isn't an emotional thing. And Joseph shows us that. We're approaching Christmas. As we approach Christmas, Christmas presents are on everyone's mind. If you had to think to yourself, God, what is it you want from us for Christmas? God, what is it you need from us? Like, talk about shopping for the person who has everything. God, what is it you want? Go to church? I've been to church. A lot of people go to church. Say a prayer? That's all nice. God, you tell me. Open your heart, God. What is it you want from me? You know, I think God would say, I think he'd say Hebrews 11.6, which is exemplified in the life of Joseph. Without faith, it is impossible to please me. Without faith, it is impossible to please me, is what God would say. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, believe in his presence, and then believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know what I think dad would say? What our father would say? What any dad would say? I want you as my child to trust me. And I want you, when I tell you go do your homework, go do your homework. And I want you to trust that it's what's best for you. And when I tell you no sleepover, no sleepover. And when I tell you this is where we're going and you just have to come with us, our family's going here, and you got like when I tell you, you say, Daddy, I trust you. That's exactly what Joseph did. I'm praying. Someone told me something nice the other day. He told me that his theme or his slogan for life this coming year, is all in. That he's all in for 2014. All in. I hope and I pray that some of us today would say the same thing. 2014, God, I'm all in. I'm not holding back. I'm not questioning. I'm kind of not sure. But I'm taking a step. I'm all in. Joseph went all in on God's plan. And if you ask Joseph now, hey, Joseph, how did it work out for you? Work out good for Joseph? Joseph would say, yeah, worked out pretty good. I got to be the father of, hello, the son of God. That worked out pretty good. Maybe we sit here a year from now, and I ask you, you have plans for 2014. Everyone here, everyone here has plans for the new year. You got plans. Let me tell you a few guarantees. I guarantee you, number one, those plans are going to get messed up. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. No matter what it is you plan, I promise you it's going to change. The plan's going to change. Number two, I promise you that God is going to be with you every step of the way. Even though the plans have changed, the nine out of ten times, he's actually the one behind the changing. And then I promise you, number three, that if you stick with God's plan and you trust God's plan and you go all in to God's plan, that you will discover, like Joseph discovered, that God's plan is infinitely better and infinitely more rewarding. And eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has come upon the heart of man. Couldn't have been a million years. Imagine what God has in store for those who love him and those who trust and believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's stand up together for a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you 
for this example of Joseph that you gave to us today. And we pray that you would help us to go all in like Joseph did. Not to just trust in our earthly plans, which are so piddly and so small and so meaningless compared to your plans. Lord, you are our good father. And like any good father, you have a great plan for your children. Help us, Lord, to trust in you and to be like Joseph, to act in obedience. And help us to see that your plan is always better, Lord, than anything that we could imagine. You promise us, Lord, that eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has come upon the heart of man things which you have prepared for me and for all those who love your holy name. I pray that one year from now when we stand here together, that we're not reciting that verse as something that someone a long time ago said, but each one of us is, is proclaiming that. That's a reality in our lives. We ask this in the name of your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Oh, come on.